Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 393, a Hardwood Hills wild turkey hunt. And I am your co-host, and the guy who is over it, who's through crying. I'm your co-host who just started crying, so (laughs) pick up for you. And I'm your co-host who's going to give bonus content this week with a story that I promised feels like years ago. It was a few years ago. Yeah. So you're you're over it? You're you're back just normal life again? You know turkey season's over for you? Until the first week in June. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm excited about the trip I have coming up, so... Yeah, that's true. That'll be a good time. I'm really looking forward to that. And yeah, when I get back, it'll be bottom lip dragging the ground sad. Mm. Yeah, that's going to be the worst for sure. I got one more swing in me. I'm still just kind of depressed that the daily grind is over. You know, I just, I love that when I go to bed at night, I know I'm going turkey hunting the next morning. And now I can't do that. So I got to wait a couple weeks and I'll be back after him for three or four days. But you know... It's part of it. Speaking of the grind, 
I went back to the gym yesterday morning. Oh God, same. Yesterday's my first day too. How sore are you on a scale of one to 10 right now? (laughs) Well, I went back this morning as if I wasn't sore enough. And I did a lighter workout this morning on a scale of one to 10 upper body, because really, I'm not going to say that's all I work out. That's all I use weights on to work out because I do the stair climber for my lower body because I'm climbing hills or climbing stairs. Yeah. You know, so on a scale of one to 10, I'm a pretty solid seven, but where I hurt, I hurt. I did chest and arms and shoulders yesterday, and like when I picked up my coffee cup this morning, it it hurt, and I was like, "This is bad. This is real bad." Yeah. But you know, got to get back in there a couple weeks. It'll be okay. That's it right. Is, you know, like my overall strength level didn't decline as bad as I anticipated, but my stamina is like, oh yeah, just garbage. I mean, yeah. like set. You know, let's just. I did bench press and I did, you know, four or five sets and set one. I was like, man, I, I still got it. Like, I didn't lose as much as I thought. And then set two, like I got like one and a half reps and almost died. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. My muscles are shot. So that's where I really lost. Plus, I'm, I mean, I'm seriously 20 pounds lighter than I was before turkey season. So I, yeah, I lost a lot of me. So, you know, like over 10% of me has gone. hey that's a big chunk i mean one tenth of me is is missing i left it in turkey (laughs) season (laughs) that's pretty pretty interesting stuff so obviously can't lift as much there either but yeah yeah so i figure i'll just grind it out this week suffer through next week while i'm hunting yeah but in a good way kind of suffer I'll, I'll happily suffer next week and then get back in it the week after that and, and hopefully won't be as terribly sore as I am right now. Yeah. Well, you know, what's what's kind of keeping me going right now is getting some, some inspiration and photos from some listeners. Man, yeah, we're getting some good ones too. Yeah, so I was going to point a couple out. I saw today one of our listeners, Andrew... Mills from Honey Hole Game Calls. His daughter Lydia, she got a Jake this morning. So that's, that's awesome. awesome. Our listener and guy that we met in Maryland last year, Mr. Jeff McAfee, he said his daughter in law killed a giant. Nice. Yesterday evening, 24 and a half pounds with one and three eighth inch hooks. Nice. That, that was her first turkey, so she's running. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got. Another fella, Jackson W., didn't get the full last name there, but he got a fine big old long beard this season. I got a picture of that. So getting some stuff like that here lately. And and also Josh McGinley, one of our show friends that we met in Nashville. I think he put it on one today, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome seeing some success like that. Yeah, it is. I've enjoyed getting to know Josh over the past, gosh, I guess four years and I've seen him in Nashville and just great, great guy, just genuinely a good person, very soft-spoken, not going to brag about his accomplishments. And, you know, somebody like that has some success away from home. You can't help but be excited for for him. So congrats, Josh. Yeah, congrats, Josh, and congrats to all all those 
folks out there are still finding success. I'm I'm happy for each and every one of you. I just am glad y'all are taking the time to either tag us or send a picture through a text or direct message or story. I mean, it's just awesome, you know, to hear from folks and hear all the different stories of what's going on in the world. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I got actually on that note, a listener sent me something and he swears by the truth that this is true. And I have no reason to doubt him, but I'm pulling up the text now. Hold on. Russ said he's in South Georgia, which their season goes a long time down there. And he killed a gobbler. But he said what was really interesting about it, late season, he killed one that was strutting behind a hen, but she had about a dozen poults with her. What? And he shot the gobbler. Yep. Wow. He said he had a poult literally almost walk over his boot at one point and then killed this turkey. And this turkey was like, this is one of those ones that probably should have never been killed. Like his spurs, oh my gosh. I know you can't age him based on spurs, but your boy was not a two or three year old turkey. He is a freaking hoss. Hmm. And he said, yeah, he said that he had a, a dozen poults were with the hen that the gobbler was strutting behind. So that was that was a new one on me. He he swore by it. So I, I have no reason to doubt him. But pretty cool story. That is cool. Yeah, that, that would that would freak me out in the woods. Hen come walking up there with poults, and then here comes the gobbler. I'd just be totally confused. Yeah. And speaking of confusion, that's a great segue into <laughs> story time because I have promised to tell this story and I've forgotten to do it. So I don't have any audio. It's probably a good thing because you just hear a bunch of clanging and expletives and more clanging and more expletives and hear my phone typing and expletives and that, that would be most of the audio. <laughs> <laughs> so what what had happened was uh-huh. it was the first time of the year right out the box and something the elusive Osceola wild gobbler. And I had, I was on day two. All right. So I, I was down there the first day, found some turkey signs, saw a couple gobblers, got pretty close at one point, but unable to make it happen. But, you know, I was in the ball game, which is always, if you can get in the ball game the first day, I feel super confident for the trip, you know? Oh, yeah. So I had three, I think I had four days total I could have hunted and uh, before I had to get back for work. And I think I ended up going home after three days. But on the second day, I ended up back in there, heard a turkey goblin way off. And I kept thinking another one would be closer, so I waited out. Nothing ever gobbled closer, so I went to the one that was gobbling and was moving through. It's kind of, you know, in South Florida, the the it's like prairie out there in areas. Like, I don't know exactly what it is like if those are cypress domes where they cut it over years ago and nothing just grew back but it's like this tall prairie grass that's like waist high and Mm -hmm. there's like little areas out in it where it wasn't as high all right so i'm moving through this grass along this tree line and and he gobbles at me when i call and he's not far like 100 yards so I dropped down in the grass, and it was nice because I could really snake through it. So I move up through there. I advance a little bit, notice in front of me that it opens up to where it's not waist-high grass anymore. It's like, you know, ankle-high, like something a turkey would really enjoy being in. And so I call again, he gobbles, and 
I, I notice he's closer and I hear drumming and drumming and I'm like, all right, he's, he's here, you know, and I can't see him really. And I kind of catch a little movement of his tail fan. So here I am at this point, I was about four miles deep. I had driven overnight all the way down there and, you know, the Osceola is kind of a prize. So stakes are pretty high. So here I come up. I got to get up on my knees to shoot this gobbler. So he, he's 25, 30 yards from me. So I raise up out of the grass. There he is. I center the bead right on his fiery waddles. And I start squeezing the trigger. I'm squeezing it and I'm squeezing it. And then it stops being squeezed <laughs> and it's all the way back. It won't go any further back. And I realize the gun's You didn't not- hear any sound. Didn't click. I'm talking nothing. It just no was like boom, boom. No recoil. Yeah. <laughs> Usually at this point, I'm in a state of like panic running, you know, wherever the turkey was trying to jump on him or something. But no, I'm still sitting there. Now I'm like jiggling the trigger like back and forth constantly like, okay, you know, what, what's going on here? I'm, I'm tickling it like, please go off. <laughs> nothing. Coochie coochie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please go off. <laughs> nothing and i'm like oh my gosh like my my heart rate was like pounding and then it just like stopped and sank you know like holy crap so he struts and when he struts he pirouettes and his fan gets between his head and me and i'm like okay so i lower back down into the grass i use a pump 870 slowly pump the gun open thinking maybe i forgot to unload it see that there's a shell in there think okay it didn't hear it click but maybe the shell's a dud or you know something's up with the shell so I eject that one slowly with my hand but get the next one in rack it forward still the whole time he's drumming right there here i come out of the grass again center it on his waddles start squeezing the trigger nothing holy crap you know, this is, this is bad. This is real bad. Mm-hmm. Go back down, put another shell in, ram it forward this time with some force. Back up, center it, nothing. Back down, jiggle every moving part on the gun, rack the shells three or four times, jiggle it all around, trying to do everything quietly, but also getting very forceful at this point. I'm start kind of just punching on the gun at certain points for I don't know, make me feel better. Come back up, nothing. Go back down. Anyway, this keeps going. Finally, I realized after the eighth attempt, or actually it was after the seventh attempt, I'm done. This gun's not going off. So then I think, he's sitting there still drumming. He's just happy as can be, pirouetting right there at 30 yards. And I go down, I get out my phone, somehow had cell phone service. That's the part I'll never understand how on (laughs) earth I had cell phone service. Get out the Google, look up, gun won't go off. And I noticed about the sixth time that, like, my pump, I, I didn't have to click that button by the trigger to un, undo uh, it. yeah. Like, I could just slide it back and forth forever, and it never would engage. So I'm Googling it, and it finally, I find some forum, and the guy's like, oh, you're something, something nut is loose on the thing where the pump can't go all the way forward. You need pliers to fix this, you know. And there's like a graphic showing how to fix it. And I'm like, well, I can't do that. So I think, okay, maybe if I loosen the cap 
like off the gun and I could push the barrel forward a little bit and then maybe maybe then it'll lock in even though that nut thing is loose on the pump. So anyway, here we are. Now we're at jerry rigging stage, you know. And the whole time you're hearing Oh yeah, the, consistently. And I'm like, I you know, that's the only thing telling me he's still there. And he's just constantly drumming, drumming, drumming. Hmm. I go to unscrew the cap. Well, I haven't exactly given my 870 the greatest care and tender love that it deserves. Cap's pretty much rusted on there. Hmm. 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 So I'm cranking on this cap. And luckily, this is early season before I lost 20 pounds and got out of shape. But I'm cranking on the cap to this thing like you just every ounce of energy in my body and it won't come loose it won't come loose it won't come loose at one point literally my right hand is bleeding because it's cutting into my skin i'm trying to crank it so hard and then it finally came loose and i was like holy crap so i unscrewed that thing almost off not totally off like where it probably was on by one thread you know and that allowed me to move the entire barrel assembly up probably half an inch which then I grab the pump and push it forward, and I hear it go, Ching. and I was like, oh my gosh, it's live. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then, you know, I'm still laying there, and I'm like, I mean, it moves straight forward, the barrel did, so I assume it's still really accurate, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But it didn't go up or down, like it just moved down further, so it's still straight on, so... I get the shell in, I raise up. This time when I raise up, out of nowhere, I've raised up seven times. Nothing has seen me. <laughs> the eighth time I come up, a hen just blows up out of the grass. Like, absolutely cackles and flies off. How far from you was the hen? <laughs> like 15 yards. You know, and so immediately, like, just shocks me to no end because that was the least expected thing I, I had in my mind at this point. But she aided me perfectly. Like, it couldn't have been better. So she blows out of there like you can't believe, which makes the gobbler who's been strutting the entire time come out of strut and run his head as high as he possibly can. Mm-hmm. And center the bead, please go off gun, because this is it. There is no ninth try. The jig is up, squeeze the trigger, bang, he's dead. Man. Dead as a hammer. So that is how I got, you know, a nice, easy textbook, just how I drew it up, hunt, to start the season. So you killed eight or nine Osceolas this season? Yeah, I killed nine <laughs> or eight, yeah, eight of them. That's pretty strong. Squeeze the trigger eight times on an Osceola is pretty impressive. I don't know did. if anyone else has done that this year. So legally, yeah. legally. Yeah, it, I got I got more than I bargained for with that one. I'll say that. I bet you did. I'll say I got plenty more than I bargained for. Like, I'm happy for the experience now that it's over and the memory will absolutely never fade. But my gosh, I don't. I don't particularly want to relive that one in the flesh again. (laughs) (laughs) I like when the old gun barks on the first trigger pull. That's right. Yeah. But I thought I'd share that story. I don't think I've shared it on here yet. And I kind of alluded to it earlier in the season that I was going to tell everybody kind of what happened with that one because it was just wild. That's crazy. For today's show, I have a hunt 
and it's not a super long hunt audio wise but it's the total antithesis of what i just described this one was textbook this one was how you draw it up and so this hunt was later on i was in a i was in a different state actually and uh you know had some work there so i could hunt before work still and so i was i had been there for three days at this point and had not heard a gobble mm-hmm. not so and I, disclaimer not alabama but that's probably what everybody just thought it was just based on that description <laughs> that's what i thought <laughs> yeah <laughs> Somebody says they aren't hearing anything for days on end. It's like, okay, well, that guy's in Alabama. Yeah, that's Alabama. You know, but, <laughs> but no, not Alabama. So this is more, more shocking than that. Did not hear a gobble. But I stayed persistent, and I looked at my watch, and it was 8 o'clock, and I needed to be in my car, which inside my car was my work clothes, ready to go. I would be in the car dressed at 8.30 was the plan. And so it was eight o'clock. I had not heard anything gobble all morning or the past two mornings. And I was like, well, that gives me about 20 minutes. So I could probably hit one last trail. I usually can walk a half mile in seven or eight minutes if if I'm walking pretty briskly, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, I found this trail on the map, never been down it, never seen it in my life. Just picked one out, looked good, went back to a nice creek that had a big stand of hardwoods on it. Because the only sign I had seen that looked like significant fresh turkey sign in a different area was in big hardwoods. It was early season. And it seemed as if the turkeys were eating acorns because I saw a lot of acorns and I thought, so I noted that in my brain of like, and I had not seen driving around anything, going to the work, nowhere. I had not seen any field turkeys, not one. So yeah. I immediately was starting to make the connection of like, I think they're deep in the hardwoods. They're not in the upland pines and, and fields yet, you know? And so on the map, I, I pulled it up and I just kind of narrowed my search. So I looked at where I found all the turkey sign, even though I never heard a gobble in there. And then I said, okay, what else looks like that? And I found this other spot, and I was like, that looks similar. Big creek, big hardwoods, deep in there, and there's a trail running to it. So I was like, there we go. I'm going to go try that. So I go to the trail, I get there, and I got 20 minutes. And so I was like, you know, the trail was probably a mile long. I was like, I'm going to walk. I'm not going to call or anything. I'm just going to walk as fast as I can, a half mile in. When I get there, I'm going to stage up, do a bunch of calling, see if one will gobble. If not, turn around, walk back out the half mile and and get to work, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I walk in there, cruising back in there. Luckily, the trail, like, grown up thicker than crap at the beginning. I almost maybe turned around and I got through the first 200 yards of that and then it opened up to this nice beautiful trail and i could tell nobody else had been down it so i was like well that's a great sign so i go cruising back up in there get to my half mile point and i just sat my gun down by a tree pulled out my glass call so it's actually a crystal call i got it from buster's custom calls been a good one it sounds great and i got this uh like custom made frogwood jeff harrison striker i mean that thing sings on it too but i I really like that combo for kind of 
patrolling because that glass you know crystal type frequency really carries and i've just had good luck with a glass or or crystal call blind calling and getting if nothing else a courtesy gobble out of one you know yeah and so and something about that high pitch seems like it pulls the courtesy out of them more often than other calls and you get more distance so i start just clucking on it and i'm walking back and forth on the trail just like a hen who's kind of walking and clucking 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 fucking kind of just you know different cadences and then i just went into a run of yelps and hit two hard cuts right on the end oh one gobble i was like holy crap yes you know just sheer excitement and so i look at the watch i'm like all right i got i can either just leave him and not screw with him go to work come back tomorrow and try him or i can go go in here and you know trying for probably 10 10 12 minutes i was like no guarantee that i'm gonna ever even wake up tomorrow so i'm going in here you know oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, i could bail in there i just take out jogging towards him he's probably 400 yards when he gobbled what i estimate he's on the next ridge over so i gotta cut the distance in half 200 yards and i call and he hammers it and he's he's coming like, i'm like oh my gosh he's coming he's cut me off twice now so i i made like a panic setup. And so I just sit down, and that's where we'll jump in here and start this audio. So I've I've gotten this turkey to cut me off twice. I can tell he's interested, and I have jumped down by a tree. So we'll jump in here. We'll listen to that audio, and I'm going to cut in once in the middle, and then we'll finish it out. All right. All right. See you guys in the middle of this hunt.
All right, so you just heard me kind of get up. So what happened here, the turkey's coming. I know that. But I had kind of panicked sat up when I realized he's coming at first. And I, I surveyed my surroundings and realized, you've made a bad set. Like, this is not the spot. This isn't where you need to be. Because mm-hmm. I looked at it. I had a roll in front of me. And then it went down a little bit and rolled back up again. And I thought, there's a good chance this turkey can get in this area in front of me without me seeing him and then he's going to be periscoping me over this little roll from like eight yards and so if he just periscopes me at eight yards my gun either has to be directly where his head pops up and i shoot him or he's going to see me and dip back down before i can make a move and he's gone yeah i mean i've that's going to happen to you one you know that happens to everybody like he pops up 10 yards to the right of your gun barrel. You shift it, and his head goes down, and he gone. That's it. <laughs> he, he just dug a tunnel to China, and you're never going to see him again. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, I just kind of, in my mind, played it out like, this is what's going to happen to me, most likely. And who knows if that would have happened or not, but it was like I could see the writing on the wall of, like, this could very well happen. Yeah. So I immediately got up and moved to the right, and towards him maybe 20 yards and so at this point the turkey's maybe 120 130 yards coming up the from the bottom and coming up and so i moved maybe 10 yards closer but probably moved 50 yards to the right i mean i honestly didn't gain any ground on him i just kind of moved around him a little more and this gave me a vantage point to where i was sitting on the top and i had the trail on my right side that was running towards him because i thought this trail looks like a good spot for him to come. And now I'm on top where I can just shoot him when he gets in gun range. Yeah. And so I made the move. That's where we'll jump back in here. And then afterwards, I'll tell you what, what went down. So here's the rest of the hunt. Sweet.
Yani. Ten minutes. Ten minute hunt. Oh. Hard to believe. All right. Eastern wild gobbler down. Yes, sir. So the move paid off. So when I sat down at the second location, I turned my head over my right shoulder and just threw some yelps back over to the right. And that trajectory put it on the trail, basically, and kind of behind me to where it sounded like that hen had moved over to the trail, but was still on the back side of the hill, which was exactly where I wanted to place her. And so with that being the case, they had gobbled at it, and I just sat down. I just was ready, and it wasn't too long. There's a pretty good little bit of silence in there. I see them. It's two big old white heads coming through the woods. Here they come. I see them coming, and I'm like, all right, please be long beard. So I see the first one, big old long beard. Second one, big old long beard. I'm like, sweet. They come moving left to right. They go behind this big log at 30 yards, and I'm like, sweet. As soon as he steps up from my log, whoever comes up first is getting it. <laughs> first one stepped out behind that log, stepped right out in the dead center of the road. They never strutted, nothing. They're just looking. He stepped out in the road and ran his head straight up like, all right, where is she? He found her, and that was the end of him. So the, put the whoop on him. Only regret I have with the hunt, I literally just sprinted up there, grabbed him while he's still flopping, and started running back to the car because I had I had to get to a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> and there was, I snapped one picture. I mean, like, when I got to the car, I found a big pine tree laid him down, fanned him out, got a good picture, and put him in there and went to the meeting. You know, that was it. So I examined him really heavily once I finally got done working. And he He's one of the finest eastern wild turkey specimens I've ever seen. He was just perfect in every way. Not one feather was messed up on that turkey. And he had a really nice long beard, you know, decent one-inch spurs or so, like nothing – Nothing really special about his size. It just was like his feathers were just perfect. Every uh, he just was everything about him was in perfect place. I don't know. And, and his iridescence and everything seemed really nice. And he had kind of a gold fan, uh, like a ring in the black of his fan on the tips. It's mm-hmm. a really beautiful bird. I mean, I, I just was stoked to have him anyway. But he, I don't know. There's just something about him just took him to a whole other level. And so. It was an amazing hunt. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. It definitely, gun-wise, went a lot better than the first hunt I described everybody. But <laughs> it was it was awesome, you know, to to do that. The, we've said it on here. I don't know how many times. The the setup setups everything. Setup is key. It it is, and I you know I don't know how it would have shook out had I not moved. But I know how it shook out when I moved, and I know that it worked. So I, yeah. the way they came up to where I killed them, they came up silent after, you know, once they were in vision, I could not, they never gobbled again. And had I been where I was, I wouldn't have even seen them at that point. And I could easily see how they could have gotten in that draw and slipped up on me silent. But who knows? You know, I may have still gotten him, but. I do know my odds on the second setup. As soon as I sat down, I like breathed a sigh of relief. Like, 
yeah, this is much better. Yeah. Much better. And then, you know, throwing that call to the right and back after where I was sitting just added that realism of the hens moving, you know, because hens don't just stand there and stand on their toes and yelp from one location for 45 minutes. What? Yeah. So I think, you know, if I'm a turkey and I'm moving up there and then all of a sudden she's moved a little bit to the left, that has to ingrain in their mind. Like, okay, this one, this one's real. You know, she's moving. Yeah. So, you know, all, all that kind of little stuff always ends up playing a role. Who knows how much, but it was, it was an awesome hunt and I enjoy reliving it somewhat. Now I'm sad because that was back at the beginning of season, both of those. And I was just getting cranked up. That's right. Now you're getting crunked down. Yeah, now I'm cranking down. I got the, but I can't complain. I got the hunt over 50 mornings. No complaints here. There you go. Heck yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. That was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I always enjoy a good hunt. So. I do too. It's something unique we do, you know. I don't think I've heard any other podcasts do these live hunts, but I think I've learned, I don't know how much, just from the self-reflection that going through these live hunts makes me do. Yeah. Because it makes, you know, you and I talk about it and question each other and stuff, and it, it's brought a lot of thoughts into my head that I would probably wouldn't have normally had if I just did the hunt and finished it, whereas with these live ones that we remake through here, I sit there and think well why did i do that and i'm like that's why man that paid off or that didn't pay off yeah oil your gun before season next time because you never know when you have to take it apart and put it back together so that's what two years or three years in a row we've talked about that and you (laughs) still didn't learn from the first year or two you didn't learn chip that it pays to take care of your number one piece of equipment yeah yeah, the old 870 has been a faithful one to me. And, you know, I, I figured that thing out and I got that nut cranked back down on there and have had no other issues this season. So it wasn't a gun error. It was just the, you know, over time shooting those heavy magnum type turkey loads, I think just slowly loosened it up. Yeah. But getting the calf off was a different story. But I need to, I need to commission a painting because, you know, when I said I loosened the cap, what I actually did is I took the cap off, took the gun totally apart, barrel assembly, everything off, and then reconstructed it. And I, I'd like to get a painting done. Be our listeners paint. Paint this from, from your imagination, and I'll buy it from you. The guy in the tall grass with the gun in five different parts while a gobbler is strutting 30 yards from him. That, that's the vision. You're going to say a guy or a jackass in the yeah. tall grass? A pure, long-eared jackass in the tall grass. <laughs> that's that's much much more accurate depiction, I think. Oh, man. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. It was awesome. I, I do have the favor of the week, which I know I've talked for most of this episode, but I have a favor of the week. Well, let me hear it. If you have not done this this season, you can still do it. Or if your turkey season's going on, make sure you check in your turkey. Oh, God. Report your freaking harvest. I'm, I'm just, mm-hmm. please, if you're not reporting your harvest, you are part of the problem. So stop doing that. Report your harvest. We cannot, we cannot make sound management decisions unless you report your harvest. So I'm reading a book right now. 
and it's all about the biological impacts of, of harvest management for wild turkeys. And this Bill Healy, who's one of the guys who set most of the regulations for all of our seasons, he says an accurate measure of harvest is considered critical for harvest management programs. They need accurate data for us to manage this resource correctly. Please report your harvest. Uh, that's the favor of the week. Kill a turkey or you plan to kill a turkey and you do kill one tomorrow, report your harvest to the state. Let them know you killed that bird so that we can gather accurate data. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm just gonna say it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hang on to the soapbox, standing and screaming and preaching for another episode. And I don't have the report up here in front of me, so I'm just gonna save it all for another episode. So yes, please report your harvest. The end. Uh, <laughs> to be revisited another day. Yeah. So you That's have that. Me. You guys have that to look forward to. I'm going to climb on my on one of my soapboxes, one of my soapboxes here in okay. another week or two. A good show topic one day, maybe, to, to just ask how important that really would be to one of these biologists or DNR members who sets regulation, you know? Yeah. But I know it's, we can't manage a resource if we don't know how many we're killing. And you killing one and not reporting him is a very selfish thing to do. Please report wild turkey harvest to your state. That is all. Thank you. Have a good night. Good night, folks. <laughs> all right. On that note, let's wrap it up. Wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.